keep far away. But then again, often those things are not always in our control. What do we keep close to us? The things we want to keep close are, of course, the love God has for us. We want to keep close to us the love that family and friends bring around us. And I want to include in that circle the love of those of our faith and those who we meet and those around us, those who want to keep near. Things that we would rather keep at a distance are things like natural disasters or human-made varieties of it as well. We want temptations far away from us, but then again, they're not always in our control either. So it brings the question of what is truly in our control. It must be what the commandment says, but Jesus would not expect that from all of us, that we're to learn to love God with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength, and our neighbors as ourselves. What we know is that kind of love is, first of all, a response of what God has already done for us. We cannot love unless he has first loved us. 1 John 4 says it, we love because he first loved us. John 15 says, for apart from me, you can do nothing. So to speak about it is to know that God is the one who started it. A great scientist uh, died and he uh, was standing before God, before whom he had really never acknowledged in his life. This scientist decided he would challenge God and, and God's creative ability. So he said to God, I, I can create whatever you can, just try me. And God takes up a, a handful of dirt, he blows on it, and a human is formed. The scientist bends down to pick up dirt, and God says, get your own dirt. In a real sense, no matter what we can achieve and accomplish, it's always a, a starting point for what God is doing too. We build on what God is doing. Our capacity to love is certainly because God is the great lover. He's the one that knows what we need, and our response is to him. He's the one who knows how much we need hope, and our faith needs to grow. And he searches us in every way. I believe when we come to communion, as we do uh, each month, as you did last Sunday, I hope, we come and find it's a time when we can come clean with God. We can find that we are real to him, and he is real to us. And love requires that. It's not a sham. It's not a put-on. It's not a pretend. It is real. Coming clean with God. He said we're to love God with all of our heart, and that's a, that's a challenge, the word all being a, a big word in it, but also remind us that uh, love in our culture has so many ways of expression, so many ideas. For instance, a lot of people would think of love as simply something you would fall into or fall out of. I remember that uh, time when our teenagers, children were going through teenage, and you could almost have a weekly turnover there you know, as to who we was in love with this week. And we might be in love with next week. That just comes along, you know. We're trying it out, so to speak. I don't know what it is yet, so I'm going to do that. We'll be a boyfriend, and I, we're going to be steady, and we're not going anywhere, but I'm going steady. And we do that and try another next week, and, and it's okay. You just practice it a while till you get it right because you know, it's not going to hurt when you just when you, you don't go out anywhere. You know, you're still home, but you learn how to love people. We're just trying it out to learn more of what it is. We practice it sometimes in holidays like Valentine's Day coming up this week. Man, that's your warning, okay? Remember that? It's your warning. I've told you on Sunday morning. Now you've got a week to get it done for Saturday. 
But it's a reminder, we're looking for expressions of it. It can be simple, but people want to know that it's genuine. Love takes hold of us, especially in times of need. When we are hurting, we have uncertainties, and someone comes to help us, that we know what love is like. And we can appreciate that and respond to it best of all. Remembering that Jesus said, no greater love has any person than to lay down his life for his friend. He said, if you understand love, that's its root, a willingness to give for another. But also, our love can sometimes in our lives have conflicting loves. That is, we can love good things and bad things. We can love the things that God wants for us that he would say are healthy, build our relationship. The other side, we can also love things that are not. We can become addicted to things in life around us, many of those that we would fall in love with, though I think that's really not an adequate term for it. Uh, It is a compulsion to do or to have, though it destroys. Or we can learn to love as God loves us. We can also have loves that are competing, though I don't think genuine love ever competes. For instance, when when I uh, had that conversation with my two son-in-laws-to-be, not about you dads, but I I practiced that thing a long time before it ever came into being. That that moment, just anticipating what was I going to say when I was asked that question, if you could have, you know, one of our daughter's hands in marriage. And I I had it worked out pretty well. I was pretty proud because it it worked the way I wanted it to. On top of that conversation being about, you know, you got every debt that's theirs too. I I had another question, and it was about this. I I said to them, you know, uh, if it was Emily for Stefan or Amy for Brian, I said, when you marry... That was Emily or Amy. Don't you know that uh, we are not in competition for her love? She's loved us all of her life. Now that you two are married and you'll have a family, she's going to love you as much as she ever loved us. And increasingly, her time and opportunity will be spent with you and the family that you bring in this world together. But because of that, even with all of that, she will not love us any less. We're not in competition. Now, time and space, we only give me one place at one time, so that's a difficult move and measure all of life, but I don't doubt that love is genuinely there. Jesus calls us to an undivided love as one that recognizes God's love for us and will not let it go, that holds on to it. When Peter was uh, strengthened again after his denying Jesus, and they were there on the side of the seashore, and Jesus asked him three different times, uh, Peter, do you love me? And each occasion, Peter responded, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And Jesus gave him something to do. If you really do love me, Peter, then tend to my sheep, tend to my lambs, tend to my sheep. He said, That's the way you express your love for me. He was healed, finding his heart needed that. Jesus also added, we're to love God with all of our mind. He didn't say it depending on how much of a mind you had, okay? He's not measuring how our IQs rank. Uh, He just said it's what you have. But you learn to give God all your mind, which is to say, God, an attention. You don't divide him up and say, God, you get Sunday morning uh, for about three hours, and then I'm going to leave you out and go about the rest of my day focusing on other things. Yes, we'll go about doing other things, but 
our faith should inform our actions at every moment. We should be aware that God is around us and he is, has a claim on us wherever we are. That every encounter we have with another person may very well be that opportune moment when we can show the love of God is real. But we have to keep our minds open. A, a mind that's on God is a focused mind. It's one that's dedicated to him. As our confirmation class learns, part of that focus is seen when you study the scriptures. It's seen when you spend time in prayer and meditation, asking your God to fill your mind with things to help you know what you do not yet understand, to guide you. It's a mind that should be also undistracted. I believe that's part of the struggle I have in our culture today is that we are so filled with distractions we don't give time for God to find his way in. If every moment has got a sound in it, if every uh, moment has got something our eyes are concentrating on to watch and our minds are never focused on what God is doing, how can we know he's there? Be careful. Know that God is one who wants us and loves us. He asks us, what are our thoughts? What do we do? What are the things that we point to in God? Our thoughts are our faith taking shape in believing. And that leads us toward a different kind of action. To love God with all of your mind is a great thing. It's a peaceful mind. A mind that can handle all the distress and distractions and the things that life's going to bring. We learn to love God with all of our minds. He said also, we learn to love God with our soul. That's one of those words we're saying. Now, I see the strength in the hands. The mind's up here somewhere. Uh, I know those things, and the love is about my heart, but where's that soul? Where does it fit in the pieces? And there's not a, a soul uh, organ inside of us. Sometimes we use the heart to express it, but we say it's a part of us. The soul is that part of us that never dies. It is the spirit that's inside of us. I believe one of the clearest experiences uh, expressions of the soul comes from the person of Job in the Old Testament. Remember that Job had lost all of his possessions and his family in a single day. And not long after that, though he'd stayed faithful to God through that moment, he also was stricken by boils and was miserable physically because of the illnesses. His wife came to him and said to him, Job, you should curse God and die. And Job said this, he said, should we accept only good things from the hand of God and never anything bad? So in all this, Job said nothing wrong. I believe that was a description of a soul that was focused. That loving God with all of my soul, the exterior reality can change around me, even the things that were closest to his heart. But at the same time, he never gave up. He never turned away from the one who he knew made him and would love him. That's what God is like. He teaches us to love him with all of our soul. It's about integrity. It's about responding to God even in our times of brokenness. I believe that experience of Peter on the seashore we spoke about a moment ago was a soul-mending time for Peter. He had said he would never deny Jesus, but he did. He learned something about himself that he didn't like. And Jesus knew that there was an opportunity to come back and that to be the whole person that God could use. He's someone that loves that much. 
Love is a great motivator in our life. We learn to love each other. I don't know how often you tell it to each other. I've had practice for years with my family when we talk to each other. Every time I talk to my children, every time Vicki and I talk, I try to always end it by saying, I love you. And we respond the same way. And that's not a, a great big insecurity on our part that we, we just got to be told to believe it's true. I say, I just don't want it to get below the surface. I want you to know it from the start, how big and important that is in life together. We'll still disappoint each other sometime. We may get angry with each other at other time. It comes in relationship, but still we love each other. Finding ways to express it. It is the great motivator. He says to us, we're also to learn to love our neighbors as ourselves. Now that's built on the fact that there should be a healthy sense of self-love in us. Uh, We learn that as children develop, it's extremely important that they have a family around them, that would be parents and extended family around them, that by caring for them and holding them and taking care of them, they learn that they are in fact lovable, that they are people who love them. And there's value in being loved. And you begin to sense that there's a worth there that is built into you because others will love you. That's healthy. But then you begin to do that for each other. We also learn to express it, not just to receive it. To give that to others as much as we value it for ourselves. The end of Luke's telling the story, Jesus places a parable. In that parable, the good Samaritan, remember the man was robbed on the road to Jericho. And two people came by, a priest and a layman. Neither were helpful to this man Along came a, and the words say, despised Samaritan. And that despised Samaritan bandages the man up, carries him on his own animal to the inn, spends the night taking care of him, the next day pays for his extended care after he's gone, and says, if you need any more, when I come back, I will pay you the additional cost. And Jesus asked the man to whom he is speaking, Which one is the neighbor to the man who was uh, on the roadside? And the response was, the one who loved him the most. And Jesus said, go and do likewise. Our neighbor is not the simple, defined uh, geographic area around us. It doesn't ask us to pick and choose between the people we simply have come to know as that's really our neighbors. Instead, it is a relationship. It's a relationship of opportunity. And God may open that up any day in front of any of us, giving us an opportunity to love someone else in the name of Christ. It may be a simple, easy moment. It may ask much of us. But in the same way, it's when we learn to love because he has loved us. In 1 Corinthians 13, 8, love never fails, meaning it never fades out, or becomes obsolete, or comes to an end. And verse 13, it is the greatest of these are faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love. He teaches us what we're to be like. How do we express that? You know, sometimes, even in the middle of of loving others, you have to learn to communicate it well. And we have one short video to teach you about the way not 
to do it. Is that okay? I'm just going to give it to you that way, the way not to do it. Go ahead. You get the idea that uh, we can do it the wrong way? We can love, we can love, help people in a way it really only points to our own selves. Instead, we're called to restore others to the grand stage of God's love and care. That's what we have to offer today. Would you pray with me? Lord, there is great hope and joy in all that you do. We thank you for trusting us with the most precious things, your creation, that you've made us in your image and you've taught us in a way by your own actions and deeds that we can love and very deeply, compassionately, and broadly in the world around us. For our love in both mind, heart, soul, and strength, we ask, Lord, you govern and guide us. In the name of Christ, amen.